Hey, Lizards, Gizmo here. I wanted to share some of the cigars we'll be smoking in May and June, so you can smoke along with us if you'd like. For Cubans, we've got Hoyo de Monterey Double Coronas, Partagas Aliados, H. Upman Half Coronas, and Monte Cristo Open Eagle. And for New Worlds, we've got Davidoff, Winston Churchill, and Bellicoso, Diamond Crown, Julius Caesar, TAA Shark, 2023, Liga Pravada, T52 in Corona Viva, and Davidoff, Late Hour in Robusto, with much, much more to come. Have a suggestion? Email us. Hello at loungelizardspod.com. That's hello at loungelizardspod.com. Our podcast is supported by the Fabrica Five Cigar Company. Straight from the Honduran factory to your hands, the company was built by Rob Isla of Friends of El Habano and Bon Roberts fame and Cuban master blender Hamlet Peretti's. The entire cigar line is blended by Rob and Hamlet and is refined with feedback from a hand-selected tasting panel, the Friends of El Habano Forum, and smokers like you. You can even jump on the FOH Forum right now and post reviews and comments. And you might even hear from Rob or Hamlet when you do. Rob has opened the discount floodgates and now exclusive to Lizard listeners, Fabrica 5 is offering 10% off the entire store. That's all five packs, all 25 count bundles, all 50 count bundles using promo code LIZARDPOD at Fabrica005.com. That's code LIZARDPOD, one word. Plus, worldwide free shipping from Miami on all orders over $125 US. Again, use code LIZARDPOD for 10% off the entire Fabrica 5 store right now. That's Fabrica005.com. Fabrica005.com. You must be 21 years of age or older to order. Fabrica 5. No boxes, no bands, no bullshit. And now, let's get into the episode. Welcome to the Lounge Lizards Podcast. It's so good to have you here. It's a leisure and lifestyle podcast founded on our love of premium cigars, as well as whiskey, travel, food, work, and whatever else we feel like getting into. My name is Gizmo, and tonight I'm joined by Rooster, Pooba, Senator, Grinder, and Bam Bam. And our plan is to smoke a cigar, drink some wine, talk about life, and of course, have some laughs. So take this as your 54th official invitation to join us and become a card-carrying lounge lizard. Plan to meet us here once a week. We're going to smoke a Cuban cigar tonight, share our thoughts on it, and give you our formal lizard rating. We discuss La Casa del Habano specialty cigars. Senator discusses the importance of decanting wine, and Puba shares the glory of the flat top grill, all among a variety of other things for the next hour. So sit back, get your favorite drink, light up a cigar, and enjoy as we pair a Cabernet Sauvignon from Jordan with the Ramon Ionis Superioris LCDH. A La Casa del Habano special cigar tonight from Habanos, the Ramon Ionis Superioris. A 46 ring gauge by 5.6 inch cigar. This is a special one, not only because it's our first LCDH, but it's also uh, got six years of age on it. So the box code on this thing is ETP October 2016. I've had them in my humidor for about a year now. So, so part, I'm very of, part of this to, factory? Uh, ETP? Uh, I think it may have been. I'm not That's sure. Right. Yeah. I think most of these are rolled e- in the part of this. ETP is part of Yeah. So this is the second Ramon Ionis we've done. We obviously talk about and love the Robusto, the RAS, specially selected. So this is our uh, this is our second one that we're doing on the pod tonight. So let's cut this thing, boys. See, we're getting on the cold draw in the wrapper. Yes. I have. I haven't had yes. it in a while. Um, but I will tell you, the reason why I wanted to do this one uh, as an LCDH, not just because I had it, um, but also because it's pretty, I say, I would say it's pretty easy to get. Like it comes up 
quite a bit. Like I've seen it on I have, I've seen it on other, you know, uh, websites recently. Um, it's pretty easy to find these. So, yep. What are you guys getting on the uh, cold draw? Not too much. A little it's, cedary. Yeah, a little cedar. Tastes like Ramon Alonez. I get cedar and, and walnuts. That's nuts. That's really good. Oh. Well, I'll drink that Kool Aid. A little dried fruit, maybe? Yeah, a little figgy, maybe. A little figgy. Yeah, definitely cedar, a little bit of nuts. Cedar and moss. Moss? Moss. Oh, boy. Petrichor? No petrichor. You haven't called that petrichor in quite some time. (laughs) I haven't had a petrichor moment. Poquito moss. (laughs) The people want it. The people want the petrichor. Mm. Well, we got to get some cigars with petrichor laden. We'll do it. (laughs) I'm not getting too much on a cold draw. I'm not either. Very faint, very mild. All right, boys, let's light this thing. The Ramon Ionis Superioris and LCDH special. We'll talk about what that means in a minute after we get this thing lit. You know, I've been dying to have a cigar all day today. Yeah, me too, man. Oh. I've been thinking about this all day. Um, I don't know how you guys feel, but sometimes, sometimes I enjoy having a cigar alone very much, and sometimes I don't. Very true. Sometimes I don't I feel know how like you guys nut. feel. I love totally a, agree. I love a cigar alone. Sometimes I do. But sometimes I think I like it more. I think I like it more with friends. I agree with you. The only reason I say that is when it's nice out, I can kind of squeeze in, you know, that solo one cigar quick. When I don't have to get in the car and drive and add that additional time. Right. I'm able to just run out on the deck and pull it off, you know, turn the TV on, pull it off. Oh, yeah. Like you're getting a fix or you're, exactly. you're being contemplative or thinking about things and that's that's enjoyable but for me just personally i really do enjoy smoking cigars with people (laughs) particularly after the pandemic (laughs) absolutely so what are you guys getting on the light of this thing i'm I'm getting a ton of walnut which is what i got on the cold draw is anyone else getting you know that is so accurate getting a little nuttiness well walnut 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 in particular particular i couldn't put my finger on it that's very accurate not any other nut. <laughs> I just think it's funny that I say One that. One time you feel like a nut. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 can, I agree with that. I get a little spice. Touch. I, I like the on walnut. The, on the retro. I'm going to retro it. I haven't done that yet. Um, I do like that there's a little bit of resistance in the draw on mine. Just a touch. Mine's wide. Which is good. I like mine's that. Mine's wide, too. I yeah. do, too. I think this is the perfect. I, we've said this before when we've done, like, the Magnum 46 and other Corona Gorders, I think this is the perfect Vitola, in my opinion. This is, for, for me, us. for me, is the perfect uh We like mm-hmm. the 46 Vitola. ring gauge. Yeah, 46 yeah. ring gauge. And the Petit Corona, of course. Yeah, I'm not a big, I don't, mm. I don't love a Petit Corona as much as you guys do. Sometimes. Uh, yeah. I, you know, no. It's got, its, it's got its spot, you know. I mean. It's too diminutive a, in stature for me to call it, to put it in the. As a last stick or as a first stick, I like a. You know, petite Corona. This is phenomenal. In the morning, like it's, half it's an a hour good cigar. Something unusual on that very end. I can't put my finger on. It's it's good. The finish. There's something weird with the finish yeah. that's happening. But it's I don't. Unusual. There's like a little bit of bitterness. It's a tang. It's like a. It's like an alkaline. Yep. Min- minerally. Anyway. Yeah. It's yeah. Min- mineral. Yeah. Yeah. I have a box of these as well. I like. They're that. not as. They're not. They, 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 they're. I think they may be 18s, but they. They just. It's not. 
it's the same experience, but let's see what happens. I kind of like that minerally finish. It's different. It's not minerally though, like Apartagus is minerally. No, it's different. It's not salty like that. It's, no. There's like some, almost like a, there's a bitterness to it. It's I, I unpleasant. Just, I keep going back to this walnut thing. I'm sorry. I just, the finish for me is really, really dry. Like yes. you, like after yeah. you chew a walnut, like it's not a mm. sweet finish like some other nuts. It's just a very dry, abrupt yeah. finish. And that's exactly what I get here. Gotcha. It's unlike a ras. Oh, yeah. Oh, totally different. Right? Totally yeah. Different. I, I wouldn't even say these are, they're barely cousins. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We didn't talk about construction at all, but uh, I mean, uh, all Ramon Ionis, I would say, is is generally rustic, but I think this is actually especially rustic. Yeah, very, very toothy. Yeah. Which to me is a little bit odd, just given it's an LCDH cigar, you just, you, you think there's sort of a premium that goes with that. You'd expect this to be maybe a little nicer in presentation and construction than some of the standard production stuff. And I actually find this to be more rustic than a RAS. Yeah. And darker than expected, maybe. This is definitely darker than the other box of these that I have. I don't know about the one that you have. Uh, about, Puba, the, but, about the same. Yeah. What's nice, uh, so we talked, uh, you know, Senator just mentioned about the LCDH again. So the cigar has a second band on it. So it has the normal Ramon Ionis gold band uh, embossed and all that with the, with the various um, classic Ramon. And then there's another band that's red, like a dark, like magenta, and gold and black that says La Casa del Habano. So these uh, cigars are intended, and I use that word very specifically, intended to be found in LCDH uh, specialists uh, and Habanos retailers. Obviously, it makes its way onto the gray market. We could talk a little bit about why that happens when we, uh, we could talk about inventory. But um, these are made, uh, these are special, special roles. Obviously, they're made in the Partagas factory like you guys talked about. They're meant to be, a higher-end cigar. Not like a Limitada, but an LCDH is meant to be something special. So, um, And it should be a little bit harder to find. But like Actually, I said, can I make a correction? Go ahead. I think you said that this was the first LCDH cigar we've done. Did you not? I did say that. Uh, it is not. The Partagas Culebra is technically an LCDH cigar. Oh, wow, you're right. Oh. Wow. Oh. Very nice, Senator. That is absolutely correct. You just yeah. got schooled. I did. <laughs> and so is the um, another one that you may not realize that's a LCDH is the Connoisseur A. Ooh. Hmm. We didn't do that on the No, pod, we didn't do it, but I'm yeah. just saying yeah. you would, it doesn't carry the band. Really? The second band. Oh, okay. The con yep, that's right. But it is technically an LCDH. Love the Connoisseur Cuba being Cuba, God forbid, if you want to call these cigars an LCDH cigar, just throw the second band right. on it. I don't know why because some it, they do and well, some they don't. It ha neither do I, but the, we, the Cuba, Cuba being what it is, the uh, but the band is so, um, it's 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 hefty. It's so hefty on that cigar to begin with, I guess. Maybe having even more band would just not be. Yeah, they could just take a page out of, uh, who, who's the, Davidoff owns them that has the ridiculous band that's literally at least half Camacho. the length of the cigar. Camacho. 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 <laughs> the fucking bands are insane. It's like half the cigar is yeah. covered up. Yeah. It's a gimmick. Well, so is like uh, Carrillo's, you know. Some of the EPs have like. Oh, they have the foot band. Yeah. Foot band, band the band's kind of wide. I don't understand yeah. why they have that thing. So they need to circumcise that shit. Like <laughs> well, I, I think the only, the only. Oh, I guess boy. the only, you know, it the protects the foot, the 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 Leyenda, the Maltese, 
and the Dantes uh, from Monte Cristo. Uh, Monte Cristo carry footbands. And I guess they are kind of tightly packed in that box. I guess I could, you could maybe argue that a footband maybe protects um, the foot, but I don't know. It, you know all unnecessary it's just it's just packaging but anyway yeah you know you could maybe justify that but i'm not a big why make extra work mm-hmm. yeah it's just marketing you know i find something cool here what's that um this cigar i think we, some of us noted has a short finish yeah dry yeah i find what we're sipping on very similar yeah Let's talk about beautiful that. dry finish and it's very quick i think it was uh, an appropriate pairing given like oh. you're saying about the short finish i thought about that when we when oh. we first mentioned that from that perspective it's a perfect yeah. pairing so we're drinking a cabernet from sonoma correct Senator? that's right it's a 2017 jordan uh it's a wonderful cabernet um, what do we, what do we know about Jordan? What do you know about Jordan? Uh, yeah, Senator? so I, I think their history is actually it's very simple, but I think powerful because uh, they're unique in just California and kind of the style of wine that they make. And for me and my palate, I'm always the, the lizard that mentions you know I like a really balanced wine. I don't like an overly fruit forward wine, which is most of California wines. I don't like an overly dry wine like a traditional French wine. I like somewhere in between. And Jordan checks that box for me, which is why I've always really loved their wine. So um, they haven't been around all that long. They're, they were established in 1972 in Sonoma, like is mentioned. And the founders, Tom and Sally Jordan, wanted to be the first to create a Bordeaux-style California Cabernet Sauvignon that was approachable and still drank well while it was young but could have aging potential. And I think as you drink this, you see it's not a fruit-forward bomb like most California caps. I mean, really, everything out of Napa does not taste like this. Yeah. And I like that it's more balanced. It's not too dry. You taste the fruit in there. Uh, but I think it's balanced out really well. So um, just a wine I've always, uh, I've always enjoyed, and they're enjoying great success because I crack up every time for whatever reason, and it's good marketing on their part. Right. Like you could just market in Cigar Aficionado and Wine Spectator and all these magazines and online. And there are other brands that really try to get product placement in movies and TV shows and all this stuff. For whatever reason, the last few years, if you look at any show that involves like a wealthy person, whenever they show wine sitting on a coffee table, a kitchen counter, there's the red is always Jordan. It's obviously intentional, so I really give them credit. I think it's actually very clever product placement. So I have two questions for you, Senator, on this. Number one, do you think that they achieved what they were trying to do in going for trying to make a California Bordeaux? Do you think they achieved that? I do. Okay. I really, really do. And is that you, that's a rare thing to do? Yeah, I think it is. I mean, most of the California cabs that you would have, they're super fruit forward, and they're great wines. I, I take nothing away from them, but just most of the time I'm not looking for a really jammy, super fruit forward, and, and a lot of times too sweet of a wine for what I'm looking for. There are times like when you're having a steak and you can get like a really, really rich, intense California cab that would pair perfectly with that. And a steak, there's nothing sweet about it, right? So you're like balancing kind of sweet and savory. It works. But when I'm just drinking a glass of red wine, like we're having right now, or especially pairing with a cigar, I don't want something overly sweet or anything exaggerated in any particular direction in terms of flavor. I want something balanced that's not going to detract from what the cigar I'm having, 
um, or the meal I'm having or the experience I'm looking for. And I just think wines like this slot really, really well mm-hmm. into a lot of places. You know, I, I tend to pursue a drier wine when I'm having a steak. I'd, I'd prefer not a fruitier wine with a steak. This would be fantastic with a really good cut of meat. Definitely. Right. Oh, yeah. My other question for you is when we were looking at this and talking about wine and you and I each picked up a case because we found a nice deal on it, uh, why the 2017 vintage? Is, why is that such a standout? Oh, honestly, I wouldn't say it is. I think the 2017 vintage is a very was for them a very good one across California. I wouldn't say it was a particularly great vintage, but for them, I actually think they still did a nice job keeping kind of the true character. Uh, that's another thing with vineyards. Like you know, every year is different. Every vintage is a challenge for all these vineyards. So I think when you have some vineyards that in challenging years, like 2017, is not known for being a particularly great year in Napa. Uh, but you have some vineyards that were able to really still keep the consistency of what they normally deliver. Yeah. Uh, those are the ones you pick out. So like there are some bottles that 2017, I would say, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to go for that. But this, they, they've actually been able to do a really nice job delivering the normal flavor profile that they do. Was that the earthquake year? Wasn't there a year where there's like. Well, 16 was a very good year. 16 is one of the best years I mean, NAPA's ever had. Yeah. That's perfect, 16. perfect weather for it. super hot summer perfect for cab nice and cool at night couldn't get any better Hmm. they're like 80 dollar bottles that go for 400 now yeah from that year 350 it's ridiculous yeah this is enjoyable i think it's a perfect pairing it's nice with this cigar yeah yeah. with the cigar it's 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 similar finish right there and i think the other thing where they deserve credit and it's funny when you read that they intentionally were trying to to make a wine like this there are a lot of california cabs that you you can't they're not ready to drink until they've been able to sit and age and mature for at least a few years some if not several years and jordan has always been a wine where whatever the latest vintage is, you can go pick that up in a store. And if you're in a pinch and you're going to a restaurant, it's BYOB, you're bringing that for dinner. It's almost always going to be ready to drink. It's going to get better with age. There's no doubt about that, but it's not going to be too aggressive or offensive when you open that bottle up. And there's so many others. You can't say that. I think Giz and I were, you had texted me the other night about a Cade, a vineyard. I absolutely love. Um, They make a Howl Mountain cab. That's incredible. And K 2018 which I had drank plenty of, was outstanding. And then I was at some steakhouse. I had said 2018 on the menus, on the wine list. So that's what I ordered. They bring the bottle out, and I said, this is 2019. It says it's 2018. Oh, we're sorry. We, we didn't have any more. This is what we now have. And I said, okay, fine. You know, he opened it up. It was way too aggressive. Mm. Way, I, I would not open a 2019 bottle of Cade anytime soon. It needs to sit. So I just appreciate that with, uh, with Jordan. Uh, most of their wines are really ready to drink. Hmm. And I think that's what makes it popular because uh, wherever you go, it's generally available, most liquor stores, and it's on it's for restaurants, it's great because it's on the it's on the wine list. it's it's somewhat ubiquitous, yeah, um in a way. So um which is good. It's like Stagsley Bartimus, which we've discussed. Um, love that bottle. Uh, you know, so also somewhat ubiquitous, like a really, drinkable wine another drinkable wine that you can um that that just is very serviceable you can you can get it in a restaurant i mean uh if the wine list is not that great and that's on there just get it no and, doubt and same with jordan um, and the howl mountains that's a great bottle 
very yeah, very that nice. was really good. Yeah, we did that on the pod. Oh, the Robert Craig, the Robert Craig. Yeah, that's right. Which that that's that another is, that's great another, example. Oh, wow. that's so, like, not, that's, that's not ubiquitous example. though. No, no, it's not. No. It's not. But that's another example. I mean, Robert Craig as a whole is for whatever reason that that uh, How Mountain Cuvee is is not easily accessible. But that's another great example. Like why I like that wine. I think the price point is excellent for what that delivers. It's very similar to Jordan, where yeah. it's like a Bordeaux style California red. And it's yeah. not, you get like some of that fruit, but it's not overpowering. It's not too dry. It's like right balanced in the middle. Yeah. And the dry, I do love that hint of dry in that in that bottle. Really good. You know, you should talk a little bit about decanting a wine. Mm. Do you do you guys do that? Do you not? Or when do you do it? When do you not do it? That's a, a great question. Great, great question. Because my so, wife threw out my decanter because it was taking up too much space. I think so, it's a it's a must. I'm going to say this, and and this is like totally against the grain in terms of what you should normally do. Um, I think you know the traditional way to decant, right? You would buy a wine decanter and you pour the wine in, you let it sit there and open up over a few hours time before you're going to serve it. I have a nice decanter. I've loved doing that sometimes. But I just have to be honest, it's such a pain in the ass to clean. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. That's true. Like, unless you have some, like, not-so-nice-looking decanter, which would have, like, a very wide mouth, it's very easy to clean that. But it looks like shit. If you have a nice decanter, it, like, you know, it tapers in the middle, and then it comes out. And so to clean inside that, even with a little brush, it's just a huge pain in the ass. I got so frustrated having to clean a wine decanter. And so they have other things uh, like a Venturi, which is like this little device that you like pour the wine through and yep. it aerates it before it hits your glass. Even that, I, I, it's a step in the right direction. But for me, it's very inconvenient. They have a stand for it. You can imagine this like on your counter. I, I think this is ridiculous. You have this like whole stand, holds the Venturi, you're pouring the wine through it, then into either a decanter to then pour into glasses or into each individual glass. For me, it's just a hassle. There's a great little gadget on Amazon where it does the same thing a Venturi does, but you can put it directly into the wine mm -hmm. bottle and I've it's got that. like rubber around yep, it to yep. just grip in the bottle. Seen it. And you have to do nothing. You just pour the bottle like you normally would and the wine is all aerating through it before it hits your glass. Right. For me, that's so much easier. The cleanup, you just, you know, wash it under the sink. It, it takes literally a sec, a, a minute. And so um, decanting is important. I just like using the simplest ways to do that. I think they all achieve basically the same thing. And the advantage of a Venturi or the thing I'm talking about, um, and maybe we'll put the link to this actually in the podcast so people can get this if they want it. But uh, the advantage to that is it, it aerates faster than if you just decant in a decanter. It's got to sit there for hours to open up. The way this funnels through, it's like, bringing oxygen in so quickly that it's aerating the wine much faster. So you can open a bottle and realize, oh, shoot, maybe I wanted to decant this and just pour straight out of that. And you're right. getting almost the effect of having decanted it for an hour right. or two. You can, you can taste the difference. hundred percent. It's like all those tannins, especially when you have a really, mm -hmm. really structured wine. They settle. They're super aggressive sometimes right when you open that bottle and they need to decant. And the, mm -hmm. the tannins, it all needs to kind of dissipate and open up to really get just the flavor without the aggressiveness of the wine. So um, for those, you need that. Now, this wine, it was funny. I mean, you probably saw I opened the bottle yeah. here. I poured a little bit in my glass, rolled it. I took a sip, and I said, it's ready to drink. I, right. That's their, The style of this wine lends itself to not needing a lot of that. But this, if this was a heavier California cab, 
no question we would have needed to decant this. Would hmm. would some of the older wines need to be decanted more than younger ones? Because that's a great the question. That it is a, it yeah. depends on the wine. Um, and so I wouldn't view it as much as year or age as much as I would the type of wine. So if it's a heavy cab, even if it's, you know, been aged for 10, 20 years in a cellar, um, regardless, both are going to need to be decanted. If it's a more medium-bodied wine, something with a softer, more supple finish, it may not need to decant that long, whether it was, you know, younger or, you know, aged for, you know, 10, 20 years. So it really just depends how much body that wine has. The, the, the fuller the wine, the more structured the wine, the more tannins and the more time that's going to need to decant. And for softer, lighter wines, they need less time for that. Yeah, maybe a French Burgundy would need less exactly. you know, than, than, than like a Bordeaux. That's right. A big old bottle of Bordeaux may need to open up a little bit more and need more time. No. This and cigar it, is really good. So we're about we're coming into the second third. What do you guys think of this? Eh. Not, not great. <laughs> <laughs> eh. Getting a little clay. Clay. Like, like an earthy. Um, you know, like a I guess you call it mineral or like earthy notes. Still getting that, yeah. It's, it's a bit bitter for me right now. The finish is definitely it. short. I don't love it. There's nothing that's standing out for me that makes it anything. This is similar to the first time I had this. I, I think there's nothing offensive to me so far. Um, it's just very monotone, just very one note. Like I'm just getting walnut and cedar all the way through. Um, the finish is really short. A Rass has a longer finish than oh, this yeah. does. Yeah. And uh, so I, I'm wanting more from this cigar. Yeah. I mean, give me, um, <laughs> to be honest, I would smoke. Uh, either a Ras or a um, uh, Ramonione's. Uh, uh, I was going to crack small it club Corona. Yeah, those are great. Uh, has to, to me packs more flavor than this. Yeah, I don't know. I agree. I mean, yeah. If you told me that this was the only cigar I had to smoke for the rest of my life, or a Ramonione specially selected, I mean, there's no, not even a, there's not even a contest. It's not I, even a contest. I, I don't think they share many flavor notes at all. Like, aside from the band on the cigars, I really don't even think that they have a uh, even a comparable flavor profile at all. There's so, nothing about the cigar that does anything for me. Sorry, going back to the wine. What What is this? This is in my wine. What is what? I think it came out of the bottle. Is that cork? Saturated cork? Adds to the flavor. Either that's a piece of cork from the shitty opener at our clubhouse that uh, w was used at first, or it's sediment, which if it's sediment, that's wonderful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, It's hard to tell. Just bonus. Well, I think about this, back to the wine, because it's actually more interesting. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's a wine podcast tonight, boys. Right. I mean. Because <laughs> this wine is really good. Like, it's, it, we talk about this a lot, this notion of, of of spirits being balanced it's balanced um i like jordan i've it's it's not being like a full-on wine guy uh, I, I appreciate wine i actually i drink a decent amount of it and i kind of go through phases um i don't collect wine i tend to just buy like a case of of wine and then i just plow through it and then you know i may not buy a case for a while and then i'll buy another case or whatever and i tend to go with 
what's available um, that's decent. And this is one of those wines that that I definitely grab a couple of bottles of if I'm doing a mixed case or something um, at a retail store because it's 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 very approachable for anyone. It's not a par- it's it, but at the same time, it's going to satisfy. Put it this way: it's going to satisfy a person because it's not so overpowering. It's going to satisfy anyone at the table. They're going to say, "Wow, this is really, really fantastic!" And I actually think that even a novice would appreciate how good this is because there's there's a smoothness to it and a richness to it, but it doesn't blow your your hair back with a whole lot of stuff. So. I I would say to the listener, if you're thinking about, you know, um, buying a, maybe a more expensive bottle of wine for a special occasion, I would, I, I would highly recommend this. Um, and then one step below this, I think a Stag's Leap, anything from Stag's Leap, Stag's Leap or Stag's Leap Artemis, um, also, you know, they're never really going to let you down. So I think that as we go through wine, trying these different wines, um, uh, where something like, um, which I don't think we're going to review in the pod. Um, what was the wine that I, that, what was the Pinot Noir I brought over here that had some structure to it? Oh, the, uh, Belglose. Yeah. The Belglose. So I cooked, I, I, I cooked up some, um, some filet mignon steaks the other night. Um, and I cracked that bottle of wine open and you had mentioned to me, I said, well, it's a Pinot. It's probably go, no, no, no. It has a lot more structure than you'd think. That wine is less approachable as a, as a Pinot Noir than this, than, than this Cabernet Sauvignon is way less approachable. Like I could see somebody being like, eh, because it's, it's actually one of the more structured and more kind of bolder Pinots that I've, that I've had. And I, it's one of the most. Truly. And, 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 you know, Julie even said, she goes, oh, is this going to be? I go, well, let's try it. I said, Senator said that this is, so should we, should we had it? And she goes, oh, well, I like it, but it's just, it's bigger than I thought it would be. And it's a lot bigger. It's actually kind of a, surprisingly, when you think of Pinot Noir, you think of very fruit forward. You think of French Burgundy. You think of, right, you think of California Pinot Noir. It's it's a bigger one it's actually like a, a it's a it's a more aggressive wine than this 100 percent. it drinks like uh, an aggressive california cab and it's weird for me so for the listener and bell Glose, they they make a ton of wine they're famous for their pinot noir they're sort of the 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 winemaker uh, is joe wagner and so that kind of accessible brand is uh mayomi you've seen that it. it's in like every supermarket Ugh. sells mayomi for Oof. me, it's way too sweet. Very sweet. Um, I, I'm not a Mayomi fan, but that's no. kind of their entry level. Then they have Bell Glow, some really highly rated wines. They're all like $50, $60 a bottle. They have the beautiful red wax uh, that like it looks like a Maker's Mark bottle. The presentation. Oh, uh, that's the only thing that I would know it from is that. The presentation's yeah. outstanding, like truly outstanding. But for me, I mean, it's a Pinot Noir, and it drinks as aggressive as some of the more aggressive cabs um, I think Pooh was spot on when he says, like, you know, why I really appreciate this wine. And I think it's even important to have this conversation because there are so many people, real wine people, that will sit there and have Jordan. They'll say, oh, you know, Jordan is so tame and simple and they're not excited by it. It's it's lesser than because of that. I have a bone to pick with that because I actually think that it is much harder 
to make a really balanced, approachable wine in the way that they've done at Jordan than it is to make a really bold, crazy, aggressive cab that some people are going to sit there and say, wow, look at how intense the flavor is in this. That's far easier, I think, to do with cab grapes than to make what they've made here. And that's why France gets all the acclaim that it does, because it's also not easy to do what Bordeaux and these other regions do. So I think there's like a war within the wine community about even stuff like this. And that's why I think people um, look at Jordan become more commercialized and say, well, it's not all that interesting. And I think what they do is very difficult. And Belglos and all the Wagner wines, they, I mean, a crazy wine, I'll never forget. I mean, I, I, I try almost any wine. I, you know, I, this is just how you figure out what you like. I remember at one point I was in a wine shop and another Joe Wagner wine. So I mentioned Mayomi. We talked about Belglos. They make this wine called Bowen and it's a Pinot Noir. And it was around Thanksgiving. They're like, oh, everybody's buying this. You have to try it. And it's like $20, $30 a bottle. And I tried some and I'm sitting there saying, holy shit, this is like the sweetest, most structured Pinot I've ever had. It drinks like a California cab. And I hated it. I would never buy it. But if you go look this wine up, there are like tons of people who will sit there and say, oh, this was great. And this is for people who just want to drink like, you know, sugar fruit juice in a glass it, it, it's not wine as far as i'm concerned well, what's wine. the price point on uh, jordan so jordan's always around 50 bucks a bottle yeah we got um, a good deal though yeah so i i'm a, i'll actually say this for a listener as a person who purchases and consumes a lot of wine uh vivino has is obviously that like wine website you can post reviews and stuff like that they have a great app too they have a great app and um, for me, there's there hasn't been a ton of utility in that kind of stuff that they do. I think the app could, I think the whole like storing the wines you've had and rating them and keeping a log, it could all be much better and, and better connected socially and things like that. And Vivino for a while got into the business of connecting you to local retailers and helping move their product to sell wine. Because let's say if you live in New Jersey, you have no idea what the local wine shop is in Orlando, Florida, right? You would have to live there to really know that. You go on Vivino and it connects you to all these local shops that have this stuff. So not the Total Wine or Bottle King or the big guys, but just these small places. And years ago, it sucked for sourcing good stuff, but I have to give them credit. Lately, it's really good. And some of the deals you get are insane. So I had found Jordan pop-up this 2017. You can buy a case. Normally, it's 50-something a bottle. I think we paid like 40 42, I think, with tax. With tax and shipping. Yeah. I mean, in the history of Jordan, they've never put out a wine that's $42. So the fact that we were able to get that at that price point, it, it's a no-brainer. So I would actually recommend people check out Vivino sometimes. You'll see certain retailers on there, certain wine shops, We'll have like promos and sales and Vivino to help move products. Sometimes we'll have like promo codes. You can get 10% off. I, I couldn't believe at the end of, I think it was last year, they had a code was 15% off any wine, no exclusions, wow. which is the craziest thing I've ever seen. I mean, I was able to get like three, $400, uh, three, $400 bottles of wine for 15% off, there's no store that puts a discount on bottles of wine at that price point. You could buy $2,000 bottles of wine and get the same discount code. It was wild. So highly yeah. recommend checking out Vivino every now and then. You know, another one that I see quite often is Duckhorn. Yeah. Like you see that a lot. How see does that. that compare to this like price point wise or taste wise? It's very similar. Um, and I historically have loved Duckhorn. I've been to their vineyard in Napa. 
Um, they always made some of my favorite wine. I think I actually talked about the Pinot that they make, uh, Goldeneye. Um, I do like that's that's a Duckhorn wine, and Duckhorn Cab. Um, uh, there are a lot of Napa vineyards that uh, I think have real ups and downs. Uh, I say that because I think many years ago, Camus was great. And now I really dislike Camus, like actively dislike it. Um, I think they've gone downhill. Duckhorn, I used to love. Then I think something changed. I didn't find their cab all that satisfying. But we should do this on the pod because I'm revisiting uh, Duckhorn Cab. I had a bottle recently that was actually pretty good that reminded me of what Duckhorn was. So I hope that they've kind of course corrected. So I think with all these vineyards, it's very hard to just say like one brand is amazing. Silver Oak is another great example. Silver Oak used to be the gold standard of like California Cab. And it was at one point. I used to really, really enjoy Silver Oak. And then I found Silver Oak to become this outrageously aggressive cab that needed at best a seller for seven to 10 years before it would be something that I would enjoy. Um, and so I think like the, even they've changed. So I, I don't think any brand you can just like wholesale say everything they produce is just perfection um, because over time things change, conditions change, ownership changes at all these vineyards and things get done differently. So um, it, you kind of have to try and see. But I think Duckhorn now has started to course correct for right. any of the I remember problems. having a Silver Oak uh, I think it was at a Ruth's Crest Steakhouse in the 90s. And I remember the bottle being like, it was black with a silver label. Yep. But the bottle was, the vintage was maybe 1980 or 84. It was phenomenal. It was like the one of the best wine that, you know, I mean, I'm no wine connoisseur, but it was unbelievable. You know, and to your point, you know, tying it back to the cigar for a minute. I mean, it's the same thing with cigars. That you just said, you know, it's the conditions, it's the, it's the vintage, call it, um, you know, it's who's rolling it, who's making it, who's in charge, who's blending. I mean, it's a, we've talked about this before when we've done wine, so we don't need to dive into it again, but it's a handmade, hand-rolled, hand-created product. It's organic. Holy. It's an organic product. Yeah. And uh, yeah. like anything else, and also, it's, it's to each his own. It's the same with cigars. I mean, a lot of people... Um, I have friends, uh, a couple friends who collect wine. I'm not a wine collector um, who would look maybe look at Jordan and say it's too commercial, but whatever, you know, and, and like like Senator said, would shit on it because it is it, it is a little bit ubiquitous, but it's a hell of for, for at the price point and in it in it's just it's very good. So it's something that I've always reached for. Um, being someone who doesn't really who who leans in that direction, you know, like I'll drink a bottle of Camus. You don't have to twist my arm. Do you know what I'm saying? Like whatever, you know, um, or Silver Oak. I mean, I'll drink it. It's not like it's not drinkable, but I, I'm not also. But 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 I think there are a lot of people out there like that, like me, who were just like, it's tough to find that kind of. What do you get? You know, we were talking. I think before the podcast. It's tough to find. Well, at $20, you can buy a bottle of Oberon, and it's good table wine from Mandavi. And you're like, okay. like, But that's really, there are very few wines at that price point for me that are that you can you can just drink with and not kind of be put off by. That's just me. Yeah. But, but, but then it jumps to $40, 42 to $50, 50 where really? any, really yeah, 50, 50, yeah, really 50. 
and 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 you go well you know it, it there's no real in between uh there's some things that you can find there's some italian wines that you can find maybe in between there um here and there maybe uh that you may find that you may like on sale or something like that but you know nothing that's really that dependable um I want to say we've gotten to the bottom of uh, what's in Grinder's glass. Oh, so what is, is it? It is not cork. It is wonderful. It's sediment. Oh, okay. sediment in his glass. When you have sediment in a wine glass, that is a wonderful sign. Happens during the fermentation process. Always signals an aged wine. Cool. There you go. So very, it, very nice. I brought sediment. authentic stuff, boys. I, I'm buying a case of wine for one of the guys <laughs> on my teams right now for a successful project as we speak. Nice. Nice. That's great. Um, I could use a refill. <laughs> Actually. Well, it's good you say that because Gizmo brought one bottle, and just in case, you know, I texted you to case, bring a second. You you're did. like, we only need one. And the funny thing is, well, he asked me. He's like, don't we drink two bottles every time we do wine? I'm like, no, we always have one bottle. But Jordan, I know, is a great wine that we would like. So I was like, you know, this I'll guy bring an extra bring one. In well case. done, Senator. So Somebody we have you. refills. Someone call Garcia. So uh, I just want to touch on a, two things that I'm I. Uh, I'm enjoying about the cigar because I know that I, I think the room here, all of us are really not enjoying the cigar. The fact that it's nearly $40 now, uh, if you were to buy it, I think is a major off put. It's about the same price as the this bottle of wine. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, and it's it's really not nearly as interesting. I got it. So this cigar for me, um, it wasn't offensive in any way, but it was it was really not yeah. not a standout for me. Yeah, the, I, I will all. say the two things about it. Uh, number one is at the burn line, I think is where it's doing its best work. I think it smells great at the burn line. And number two, the one thing we've never talked about on the podcast from a construction standpoint, I know we've talked about it off the pod, but I found, I don't know if any of you other guys, but a good roll at the, where, you know, where you cut it right under the, uh, the cap, the cap, I have a, uh, a very pronounced dimple. Mm. in the cigar which yeah, me too i don't know why that always signifies a good roll but everybody on the internet etc always says that if you have a cigar with a significant dimple in right under the cap it's a sign of a good yeah roll. yeah it is um i don't know why that is though but but i think well maybe because the way the leaves are folded and that there's actual air that can get through there or something well, that would be my hypothesis but yes that's what they say so I mean, it's rolled well. It's just not a great cigar. It's just not that great of a cigar. It's really dry. Yeah. It yeah. is really dry. And it's yeah. not dry because of the conditioning. It's the actual flavor. Yeah, the flavor is like you get dry, as if like dry would be a note. Right. You know, it's like a weird. Ooh, garçon, thank you. Cedar dry Very note. kind of you. Yeah. I'd like some sediment, please. Yes. It really, it's as, actually, uh, it has as like. As Senator is pouring. It's thank really you. just thank like you. nuts and wood. It's not, yeah, it's yeah. not great. It's kind of lumbery Beautiful. for me, and I'm, I'm not. It's, it's like to me, it's like if you whatever. go to like Walmart and buy like a, like a pecan pie or something. It's just basic and blah. All the ingredients are there. It looks really pretty, but it's just not great. Uh, pecan, yeah. pecan pies are good. No, I love pecan pies. I'm saying a Walmart pecan pie. Yeah, you know, versus a homemade or something. Yeah, yeah. Costco makes a good pecan Costco, pie. Costco, dude, they're like 18 inches. Yeah, like a pizza. Awesome. Yeah. Um. So we talked about uh. Bam Bam mentioned briefly that this is a wine that he would love mm -hmm. to have with a good piece of meat. But honestly, as I'm drinking more and more of this, I'm liking it more. It's very good. Yeah. yeah. It's very good. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you, Puba, because you sent a picture out that blew my mind. <laughs> uh, this guy made filet mignons the other day for his family. Very well done. Beautiful. 
I mean, when I tell you these steaks were cooked perfectly, it was fascinating how well done. I was, I was very impressed. So tell us about the technique and the tool specifically. Sure. The flat top grill. Sure. So, so flat top grills. A lot of listeners will know. Buckle up. Flat, flat, top, flat top grills are popular. Blackstone makes them. Basically, it's, 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 a, it's a grill, but it's got a flat top on it. It's it's a Blackstone makes them, Camp Chef makes them, um, Pit Sorry, Boss makes a, them. There's a grill brand called Blackstone that's not like an asset management firm. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, it's not. No, no. Is no. it um, is it made out of stone or steel? No, or it's iron? steel. It's rolled steel. Okay. It's it's uh, got it. So there there. So basically, it's it's like a hibachi that you that's on on four legs that you have in your backyard and they come in all different sizes so there's two burners there are three burners there are four burners there's six burner ones you know they run off of propane and uh you season the top which is a very easy process you use canola oil you burn it off you, you put wipe it on again with the paper towel you burn it off cook a pack of bacon on it and you're ready to go you know what i mean that kind of a thing so wipe the wipe the goose off so anyway so so the reason why it's interesting is uh, you can cook anything on it. It's very versatile. The, these these flat top grills you can make traditional kind of like smash burgers on them. Mm. Outstanding. You can make stir fry because and you can control the 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 heat. You can have hot hot zones, medium zone, cool zone. Um, you can cook hash brown potatoes. You can do eggs. I feel like they'd be very good for breakfast. They're very good for breakfast, but they're very good for anything. Yeah, well, the, the you know, picture it's you sent. It's basically like what they so so when you make a fillet, a classic way to make that, and I think the best way to make it is the classic way to make it is in a cast iron pan on a flat, hot, flat surface. Right? You want to completely first. You want to salt the the how the way I do it, and I would recommend everyone do it this way salt them so you salt them you wrap them in saran wrap individually if they're cut or if it's a chateaubriand even that you would put center cut and, and roast in the oven you need to salt it with kosher salt pretty generously wrap it in saran wrap and then temper the meat by just leaving it out and letting it rise to room temperature Maybe i would even not pretty generously very generously yeah very generously yeah. very generously um and, and you, you you know you salt it with kosher salt and you let and you and you let the the steak the meat rise to room temperature while you do whatever other prep that you're doing. You take the saran wrap off, okay, and then their steak. Before you do that, you pat it dry. You put the salt on, and then what it does is it actually draws out some moisture, but it's not making the steak dry. It's actually making it more tender. But you need to pat that away with a paper towel again, and then add your pepper on the outside of the steak. And you could put garlic powder too if you want, if you yeah. wanted to. Um, but traditionally, you would just put pepper. And then put put the pepper on, because the salt, salt what, what happens is the salt absorbs all the way into the meat, and it seasons the meat completely throughout while it sits in, and comes to room temperature. And it also, while it, when you take a, a thick cut of meat like that and you let it rise to room temperature, it also allows you... Um, to cook the meat more evenly so you don't have like a, a cold red center you can cook it to medium rare with and, and it still be warm so once that process is complete so why a flat top is convenient and great and good one it gets really hot 
two, you can make full, you can get a full sear, one side, the other side, and then around the sides of, of, of that filet, okay? And once that's done, all you need to do, what you would normally do is you would take that pan, let's say you had two filets or three, you would take a pan and then put it into your oven and get the steak up to temperature, Yep. right? And then you would just check it periodically and temp it and get it to whatever you however you like it. Some people like to take it out at 120, some people like to take it out at 130 or 135 and let it rest up to medium to medium medium rare, whatever it is. Whatever your preference is. So what you do is why the flat top is so cool is cuz you can do 8 of them at once. Yeah. So if you're having a party, you could do 8 steaks, you could do 6 fillets, individual fillets all at one time. Take them and then put them in an aluminum tray on the side cover it cover the the, the, the grill up because this has a top the one that i have you just cover that up put some butter on top and, and you're golden and you're golden and you're and you're really ready to go so when you sear them initially you just take a little bit of canola oil just because the 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 um the smoke point on canola oil is higher and it's tasteless essentially and then just take a little mix a little butter or you could use ghee which is like a clarified butter if you want to get really fancy that's not going to that, that has a high smoke point if you really wanted to do it that way. But I just take canola oil, mix in a little bit of butter, and sear them that way. And that doesn't, it seems not to burn. So it sounds like we need to get to your house and do this because <laughs> I, that picture you sent us, it was, they were perfect, man. They were perfect. They did come out perfect. I, yeah. I'm not, I, it, it was impressive. It, so, so, so you put them it to was, the side and that's it. And then you just temp them. And it's real easy because you, all you got to do is just, you wait 10, 12 minutes, temp them, see the cuts are different. You take one off. It's good you know. to find a, a nice meat purveyor as well. Yes, and a good meat purveyor yeah, a good piece is always of meat good. Is important. That's, that's the abs, absolutely. Yeah. Um, anyway, so that's that, you know, so there's a lot of versatility in these flat top grills. I'd recommend them to anybody. You can make anything from fajitas to breakfast to a filet mignon to, a, to an Asian stir fry. I mean, I'll do an Asian stir fry on this thing. It comes out bananas. I mean, bananas good. You can make fried rice. You know, you make fried rice on one of these things. Do you, do you throw pieces? Do you do you throw shrimp tail into the family's mouth yes, when you're I making? Do. I, 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 I love I love the concept of it being like hibachi. And like a diner griddle, all yeah, in it's one. all all yeah. in one, and the stuff doesn't fall through. It's really, really uh, like when people. That's why there's a whole community and YouTube videos. People who are so passionate about these flat top grills because they're so versatile. They're more. You can cook more good stuff if you had to choose one thing and one grill only. You got to choose a flat top because you can just cook everything on it. So let me ask you a question. Except maybe like a bone in ribeye, I wouldn't cook on there. But you won't you know get I mean? the grill marks like a lot of people love. Yeah, well, true, but yeah, you but get you get the sear. You get all the sear. Over it, though. Yeah, like yeah, it's, even right. it's a more complete. It's better for yeah. some things. Let for me, bone-in steaks, you know, you, you got to go to the grill. Let me ask you a question. Price-wise, how does it compare to, let's say, a normal grill, Cheap. like a high, high, you know, a good quality These grill? Are like sub three hundred dollars. Well, right? well, the I mean, one I have is three fifty. Wow, it's okay. A three burner, but and it's I'm forgetting the maker. But but there's higher. The Blackstones get up to be like. 800 bucks got it because they have like air fryers in them and stuff too right right but my weber full size the full full whatever it is the biggest one they make yeah that's three thousand that's almost three thousand dollars wow wow you know what i mean they're 2700 bucks for that big grill doesn't traeger make one they make flat top no but they make flat top don't they no it's only it's only pellet 
I think yeah. Traeger only makes pellet. Oh, okay. You know, you can't smoke things on these things. Well, I have a, that. I have a, I have a Traeger. I, I have a pellet grill, and I love it. Um, Traeger, so Traegers are incredible. Yeah, they're just, they're it's awesome. just different. You yeah. know, it's just a different. I kind of want to have both. I want both. I'm getting one. Yeah, I'm, I'm done. It's, both. it's, I'm sold. Yeah, <laughs> it's really, really awesome. I want to, I want to make some freaking pancakes on that. Thing. Yes. Yeah. Hell yeah. There you go. And you don't stink up the house like cooking stuff on it. You know. You know what? You go I'm just imagining and... all of us. I, have you practiced your uh, onion volcanoes, Puba? Because I'm imagining <laughs> all of us sitting around the flat top grill on Puba's deck. Yeah. Puba oh, yeah. throwing yeah. shrimp tails into Gizmo's yeah. mouth, making the volcano. Sure. I want to see the whole thing. Yeah. Sure, sure, sure. Can we Fire wear the hats? Should we wear the hat. Um, there's, you know what I made the other day on it? I mean, no joke. I made a, I made chicken franchise on this thing. Wow. Came out fantastic. What? Absolutely. On a flat top grill. Absolutely. I'll tell you how I did it. Wow. So you, you so so you take the no, you make I'm sorry, do we all know a chicken franchise? That is yeah. crazy. Yeah, that's yeah, awesome. yeah, on a flat you, top yeah. grill. Yeah, I'll that's you, like a diner making that on a flat top. No, no, that's no. crazy. So yes, yeah, so so sip and feast is this is this YouTube channel that that I, I, I watch and it's a re, I highly recommend it for Italian recipes. You you when when you go to a restaurant and they make they make a chicken franchise is in, is the sauce that goes on it is lemon juice, um, chicken broth, white wine, butter. That's 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 what goes in it. You don't need to and and the chicken cooks is so thin and cooks so quickly. There's no there's no fond that needs to be developed to make the sauce. Okay, so you're not making the sauce on the flat top. No. Okay, that's what like threw me. I'm just right. imagining like, how are you containing the sauce with the chicken on a no, flat no, top? No, no, no. You okay. make that separately because there's no fond that needs to be created. Like you would be making, let's say, if gotcha. you made chicken. If, you if don't you, want fond chicken fond. Right. Yeah. You don't want. Well, yes, you do. Sometimes if you're making certain chicken dishes, you would, where you would sear chicken and then do things you may want to do that but couldn't but, you make the sauce on the on the uh on the flat top nah, in a, in a you, pan oh well you could if you put it on the hot but that takes too long to heat the pan up you just so you make the sauce on the side so this is another reason why it's great so think about how many batches of chicken franchise you'd have to do for a party or for people because you take it chicken franchise is flour you season the chicken you pound it out thin it's you flour it then you put it in the egg and then you put it on Yep. That's how you cook the actual chicken fillets. So you do six at a time. You're producing at scale. You're producing yeah, at scale. This is the important that's piece the, here. That's the thing. It's to do it at scale. You're yeah. doing because it otherwise, at scale. to your point, you've got a bunch of little pans on a stove, and mm -hmm. you can only fit suffering. so many pieces of you're chicken suffering. in a pan right. with that, and you're not going to put them on the grill. It's not meant to be grilled like that. Right. So to your point, you have this giant surface to cook to, a shit ton of chicken at you're, once. And you're done. So you make the sauce, the franchise sauce, ahead of time. You make you, you you dredge your chicken. You bring it out. You, you you make sure you have your lubricant on there. You know you make sure you have a little olive oil and butter and at the right temperature. Yep. And you throw your chicken franchise on there. It come the fillets come off. You take it off. You heat up some lemons on the grill mm. like that. You do a little garnish. I love you this. You put this. You put the. You know you do some parsley. I'm and you so put in the on thing, this. And, <laughs> and you've got chicken franchise in a second. I'm so. I gotta in. say, Puba, you've talked about starting Puba's news in your uh, <laughs> retirement plan. <laughs> I think Puba's catering is sounding yes. a lot more promising. Or Puba's YouTube channel for this kind of stuff. Because well, listen, think about the other product that I would say was as revolutionary as this as far as eliminating suffering. The Rover. 
the TV stand. Yeah, this yeah. is right in line this with is, that. This is life changing. You eliminate like, suffering for all wizards. It's Thank a you. catalyst to making your life easier. Yes. It really is. So let's say on the weekend, you want, like, think about making bacon in the oven. I always made bacon in the oven. Why would you bother making four or five strips of bacon at a time in a pan? And it takes so long. You would make it in the oven. But then yep. what are you left you, with you after that? You sound like that? an infomercial. I love it. What do you, what do you, but <laughs> think about it. What are you left with after that? It's what, an awful mess. What it's you're a, left with is, 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 is a bunch of bacon grease in an aluminum foil covered pan. Yep. Right? You yep. go out, outside, you put this thick cut bacon on. Not only does it cook in a fraction of the time and come out great, you cook it slow, you do your thing, but it's done in a fraction amount of time. And guess what? You take all that grease, you wipe it up with a paper towel, you buy one of those outdoor garbage cans that they sell, you toss it, you toss your paper towels in there, you wipe it up, you you push the grease into the grease trap, you take the bacon off, and it's done. And you got bacon it. for the whole weekend. And the house doesn't stink. And the house doesn't stink. So well, well, hold on, hold on. The smell of bacon, bacon is in great. Oven. No, 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 it's, it's fine. good. No, that's, but, that's true. I just don't like the that's oil true. and the fat kind of lingering. But I think, I, I, so I think cooking bacon in the oven is the optimal way to cook bacon probably yes and, you're not wrong about that and i also think it's so easy to clean up if you do it appropriately with you you align the foil and it overcomes you you put it over the 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 lip of the tray and i i made bacon this morning for my wife i was i cleaned it up in literally two seconds yeah. you're, you're not wrong but the, the, but sometimes on a sheet pan if it's not big enough it's hard to fit all the bacon on that's true. You it, need multiple sheets. You need multi. So that's a problem on you. You don't have that problem on a flat top grill. Yeah. So so you get you get the 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 expediency and crispness of doing it in like a cast iron without the mess. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. And yeah. L look out, Food Network. Here we go. <laughs> anyway, that's that's the we're primer. The we're the food lizards. <laughs> yeah, that's the, that's the primer. That's on what it. we're doing tonight. We love the cigars so much. We're the food and wine lizards tonight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I I don't think the cigar is that bad, honestly. But <laughs> it's just not. Great. No, it's not. It's not a bad cigar. I, Listen, like, for an LCDH, it's not a bad cigar at all. For a forty dollar LCDH, for forty bucks. It's, give me a break. It's not great. Give me no, a break. That's that's for six and six years of age on it, guys. This yeah. is not a cigar that was made six months ago. The thing I want to say, if we if we can get back to the cigar for a yeah. second, the thing that's actually surprised me the most about this, I've had this before and it's been younger, and this is one of the few Cubans that age doesn't doesn't help yeah. help at all. It did not do well. This is exactly ca carbon copy my experience with a younger one with just a year or two of age on it. This has six years, so yeah. um, that's why I think like we say this many times, like it's cigar to cigar. Yep. Right, there are some sticks we know we don't want to touch young at all. Wouldn't even think of. Yeah, they should they should really change the name of the cigar to Ramon Inferiores. <laughs> <laughs> Holy moly! Wow, it could be a cousin to the Hamlet and, cigar. And you know, it's funny, <laughs> right? By the way, and we're a huge fan of the Marca. We love it. Oh yeah, uh, we I, I I think how many all right how many Rast cabs did we go through in the last. Three months, oh, never, seven, never enough. Seven fifty cabs. That's not enough. That's like that's like four hundred cigars we went through, but distributed among all of us. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's ridiculous. No, it's not so, even close. I got a question for you. Um, we've been talking about it, uh, and I think the LCDH conversation and these being available uh, is is pertinent to it. But I'm seeing, and I think we're all kind of seeing that inventory is kind of I don't want to say recovering, but it's definitely been better, I in, especially agree. in the gray market vendors. I'll just say I I panic bought 
a number of D4s <laughs> because I can't live without that. I think everybody yeah. here knows my favorite, like New World is the exclusive Opa drone and, and uh, Old World is the, the D4. I can't live without that cigar. And there was a time where the inventory was so limited on that. You couldn't find it on any of the places that we normally look. So when it started to pop back up, even from places I wasn't as excited to buy from, I just started trying to get anything I could. And then now all of a sudden they're everywhere. And I'm like, oh, well, fuck, if I just would have waited, I could have yeah. chosen my sources yep. a little bit better. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I agree. I'm not sure what's happening, but it's good for us as consumers. I feel like yeah. most regular production stuff pops up now with some regularity in a way that it was not months ago. Yeah. What about the prices? Have to come down a bit. No, some no. some stuff has a, a t yeah. uh, just a touch. Like I, mean, on, I have right now, and and cigars of Habanos. I mean, the prices on Cohiba and Trinidad are so bad that the the product is literally sitting there. Yeah, they're discounting the Trinidad. Yeah, everything's being discounted because they can't move the product at the prices. I love what it. What an asinine business move, though. Like, it's what, so stupid. What the yeah. hell are they doing? Habanos is ridiculous. You know, yeah. and you look at like anytime on, especially on I have. I mean. They don't. They never got a ton of Cohiba. So anytime anything went up, just like any of the the higher level stuff that we really enjoy, the double Coronas or even E twos from Partagas, some some of the other sticks that are kind of up and down, up and down right away. I mean, Cohiba, they've had. It, how long ago was it? We we did an episode. We were talking about how we couldn't believe Bahikes have been sitting on Ivanas. All this time later, they're still there. The, I saw it this morning. The prices no are one's ridiculous. Paying these crazy prices. Sego six Esplendidos. You know, $2,600 a box for, for a trip. But this is, this is Cuba being Cuba because in any, let's, let me just temper my, uh, in any well-run commercial organization that you would find in North America or anywhere else outside of a communist-run state, you'd have some pricing analyst saying that this is asinine for us to, to immediately have this kind of price surge that, you you do the analysis to say there are certain pressure points in the price matrix that we have that we we're not going to move this product, and we know that because we have the data to do it. And we have the, the the people that to, in the market research to do it. They don't. They don't. They, do that. But they don't. Yeah. They, they don't do that. <laughs> they don't have spell check. I mean, look at yeah. They don't. Have, yeah. start, you know the connoisseur. Uh, yeah, I mean, the it's like, they, they spell it wrong. Going on twenty years. It's, it's yeah. It's just you know. Cuba no. being Cuba. And I said this on a prior episode, but of all the times to do this in a time of extremely high inflation, like it's like the perfect storm of when they should not have done this. People are yeah, worrying about how they're going to fill their tank of gas, how much they're paying for eggs and all this stuff. And you think all of a sudden people are going to be willing to pay all this money. Even those who are very lucky and privileged, we're certainly uh, very fortunate that we can spend as much money as we do on cigars. But Everybody feels the impact of this in some way. It's when no one's in a situation where they're saying, "Oh yeah, last year I spent a, I, I could buy a box of Cohiba Robustos for six hundred. This year, fifteen hundred sounds right. Yeah, yeah. sure. Well, yeah. I think no they were counting that. on Hong Kong in the buying surge during COVID when supply was so low. But look at yeah. they were vacuuming and, and everything look at up. Asia's economy right and now then, too. Yeah. 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 Everywhere. everywhere. I mean, if you're looking again, again, clearly, maybe. You're not going to have the kind of demand coming out of China with the mortgage crisis, Hong Kong, ridiculous. They got a real estate crisis there that's banging. The yes. Yeah, yes, yeah, the mortgage do. crisis. The people yeah. aren't paying their mortgages. Yeah. Which, well, that's a whole different story. But I don't know. It's just like somewhere yeah. some idiot was like, oh, we'll raise prices. And, and, and you know what and they're by doing? By the way, is, and you got Europe. 
You got Europe. I read in the journal the other day, ten percent. Yep, they're inflation. Up, they're inflation. They're up at 10%. The UK, UK, UK is, is getting hammered. Is, yeah, and then you throw the tax on top in the European market. It's not like these these people don't. You know, that's a big market. Uh, so there's there's definitely you know pressure, um, and there's so, product in the channel. So what are they going to do? Um, they're going to see. They're going to, you know, it's going to go into the gray market and they're going to see what's going to happen there. And, and, and who knows, but I think it's, it's a, it's a big indicator that if you're starting to see some of these uh, Trinidad and Cohiba pop up on, 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 you know, at these prices and they're sitting and they're not moving is probably a leading indicator that something is not yeah, something's, something's not, not right. Econom- yeah. Economists look at all kind of different fund indexes to like judge inflation and and where the where the economy is and consumer demand and so on and so forth. They look at like I don't know, like the diaper index, for example. People <laughs> look at the diaper index because they say, okay, people are having babies. Diapers can get expensive, if, especially if you have a young one who's going through diapers six times a day, whatever it is. Sometimes parents will say. We're gonna buy. We're not gonna. We're not. We're we're gonna hold this diaper for a little longer. Maybe we'll change it four times a day, and you see the consume the consumer demand slip a little bit. You see it kind of fall a little bit. There's all weird wonky indexes that could that that would that be a shit show. <laughs> well, 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 fun, fun fact on that is someone who's had to uh, brush up on this. A newborn goes through three thousand diapers in their first year. Wow. wow, that's insane! Get the washable cloth kind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, Rooster. We'll, we'll get the we'll get those for you, Rooster. <laughs> we'll we'll send it back to Calcutta. But the but the but they look at wonky indicators, and there's there's got to be some savvy economist that's like looking at the cigar price indicator to say like you know this is a real thing. Inflation is a thing. People are are prioritizing other, you know essentials over you know cuban cigars yeah, yeah. Need, uh, needs not once why do i have a feeling that that that, that the board at habanos and the the executives the there the or board. whoever what board? Is running it, i don't think they have corporate uh, governance or, 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 or the, whatever corporate <laughs> governance structure they have in place or are, are, are that in touch with the capital markets to be honest i just don't think it's their bag um so, I think they were just counting on low supply and 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 Hong Kong and it's ridiculous. I just I just got a mouthful of sediment. In this. I've got no sediment. I'm depressed about this, Senator. What the hell's going on? I don't even know what to do with this thing. So the other question, I, I, the other thing I wanted to talk about uh, briefly is the fact that so these cigars are LCDH cigars. So they're they're meant and built to be in La Casa del Habano specialists around the world. Now we've talked about this before, Pooh, but I know you've spoken on it. But why are the why is the gray market? Why can I buy a ten count box of these superiors on I have as because opposed to they suck, and they and and they <laughs> and, and and they're not selling. I'm being serious. No, I know, though, I know. Because it, they're, they're you know they're one they're probably not as limited. Let t- take a look at Ramon Alone's, uh the Kool Aid that was drank around. The, uh, the the what is it the number two, the the the, the limitada. limitada. Yeah. So when that that release, they said they were going to release. I, I don't, please don't quote me on this, listeners. I want to say it was twelve. Maybe they were going to release four twelve thousand boxes or twenty four. It was a limited amount of box. Guess what? They've released 
three th- like three x the amount of boxes that they said they were going to. The cigar that that ten count box, that green racing box, had a lot of hype around it. And it, 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 they're are they good? They're definitely way better than this. I mean, agree. Heads and shoulders above this. I think maybe that was in, a twenty nineteen uh, limitada. Correct? I think so. Yeah. 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 It was so it's a lot of hype. I mean, you know, the reason why, and then all of a sudden those popped up everywhere. So I think there are more of these out there, one, that they put out than they say they do. And two, they they find their way into the gray market because guess what? Like the, 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 the smoker in the know um, in Europe or Asia or wherever they're not they're, they're not, not buying the these. cigar because yeah. it's not that good. Yeah. I mean, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to, to to figure out like this isn't that good. It's 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 marketing. So yeah. a lot of these La Casa de Habanos releases are marketing. How often do we hear people raving about LCDHs? Besides, maybe I, I know everyone doesn't love the Connoisseur A, but people do. I do. I happen to love that cigar. I know it's not for everybody. But it's for a lot of people. There's a market for that cigar. Now, it doesn't have the extra band, but technically it's LCDH. I just... There's no market for that cigar. <laughs> what? I just <laughs> wanted to push this... Oh, I, knew that would, I knew he'd perk up in the chair. Of course there is. <laughs> it's a good cigar. It's a very good cigar. It's a great cigar. Very good cigar. So, I think so, all four of the Connies are, are, are very good cigars. Right. So, so what I'm just... I guess what I'm trying to say is it's marketing. Like a lot of limitadas are marketing, as yeah. exemplified by... You know, Ramon Aloni's number the number two, great box, great presentation. Was it that great? No. By the way, speaking of presentation and box, these come in a ten count, very basic uh, cardboard dress box, and that's it. There's nothing special about it for four hundred bucks now. Wow, three hundred bucks, four hundred bucks. What what were we buying them for? What was the first box that you bought? I paid one forty seven. One forty seven for this same box of ten cigars. Unbelievable. Now they're triple that. Unbelievable. I mean, that's ridiculous. ridiculous. No one's no, no no one's paying that if they've smoked. This goes back to the thing we've been saying since day one: the regular production stuff is the best stuff. Yep. yep. It's not to say that everything that's a limitada or a regional or uh, LCDH is bad. It's just to say that. Many are not great, and some are great, and you got to really sift through them. Where I think in the regular production catalog, there's so much to find that's going to make you happy. You don't have to go chasing all these proclaimed exclusive or limited release cigars. It's just not the same. And the yeah. price that you're going to pay for these sought after limitadas is sometimes not, not worth really it. worth right. it. No, and, and, and so many times, I think the thing that actually frustrates me the most, I'm all for paying more for more. Right? I don't have a problem paying more money for something that's going to deliver a better experience. But what really frustrates me is when you pay more for, let's say, a Limitada, and you smoke it and you say, hmm, that's kind of young. That needs more age. Right? It's yeah. like if I'm going to pay $40, $50 for the stick, I want it to be aged and ready to smoke. Right. Yep. I, well, what's the, the perfect point? example is the one that Puba was just talking about, the 2019 Ramon EL. Needs that, age. That needs to sit like I don't know how many years. Yeah. I mean, I yeah. smoke like maybe three out of that box that Puba was able to get one for me, but they gotta sit. They Senator do. gave me one and said, Don't and smoke I said, it. Don't smoke it. I still it. have it. Hold it. Yeah. yeah Hold it. it. And I'm confident that with a lot of time they will be great. I say that because when I first yeah, got it, I had well. one. Yeah. And I was like, This is this is good, but not great at all. 
And then I had another one with maybe another year or two on it. And I said, okay, this is much better. Actually, it was the the night we were at my place, the caviar champagne night. And uh, it paired phenomenally with champagne, by the way. So when when it is ready, champagne. smoke that with champagne. Okay. But That's it's going to need years. Yeah. 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 All right, boys. You guys ready to do the uh, formal liquor rating on our wine pairing tonight? The 2017 Jordan Cabernet? Yep. Bam, bam, you're up. So the first glass, was that out of the first bottle? The yeah. second bottle is this glass I'm holding. Honestly, this second glass is better than the first glass. Uh, you know where the second bottle came from? I don't know. Senator, I mean, we got Sen- it three days ago. Senators? No, I got this. So I'm well, I got this way before you. I told you after I had already got my so, shipment. Oh, okay. Before um, any of you say anything, but, so I'm commenting on this innocently, right? Because I don't know where these bottles are from. They could be from someone's backyard. The second bottle is from a senator's cellar. Got that, it. That's yeah. what I was getting. So, at. Senators, senators, not so, going to relinquish this uh, opportunity <laughs> yeah, to, to exert <laughs> superiority. I, 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 say this, you, I say this because Giz dials in the humidor, and I think maybe I have to dial in Giz's wine setup. <laughs> we we got to dial in your ego as well. I'll tell you. I got it like I got it a week ago. Your wine ego. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Says the beer guy over here. Yeah, that's true. What's wrong with being a beer guy? Uh, nothing, nothing at all. Nothing, but you're you're very proud of your beer knowledge. That's all I'm saying. I'm not proud. It's just knowledge. I'm not proud of it. <laughs> I do like a good glass. Bam, what's your right. rating? Pipe so down, Petricor. The, the second bottle. <laughs> yeah. And a right <laughs> I've never called out Petricor wine for the record. <laughs> so the first glass was hovering at an eight, even maybe a seven, honestly. This okay. is a nine. All right. It's it's actually tastier, and to me, there's a bit more body in this than the first fucking bottle. Very it's really strange. Good. It's more really sediment. Good. Yeah, I got no sediment. I got no way. sediment. Grindy, I, I got a lot of sediment, and I loved every ounce of this wine, both bottles. I I don't have the kind of palate to differentiate one from the other. I'll help I, you. I'll help you out. <laughs> I did. I did enjoy. Um, I did enjoy this a lot. Like I said, my my. My scale is I don't know yeah I don't know I I'll give it an eight because I really really enjoyed it fuck I'll give it a nine I mean I'm not a big wine drinker but I could drink this all day okay senator go. two nines I'm in the exact same camp I said this before and I'm I'm trying to make a statement with this because there are plenty of wine people that will say that this wine is too simple and not interesting enough to warrant a higher score. And I think that there, it is very difficult to make a wine like this, especially out of California. It's a nine. I got to say, uh, say one quick thing. Yeah. In life, in general, regardless of what it is, if you're designing something or building something or making something, it's really fucking hard to make something simple really good. Yeah. Because there's no embellishment, right? So whenever you're creating something, the simplicity is exceptionally difficult to, to achieve a really good product, whatever it is. If you're building a house, we anything. talked. We talked about this yeah. last. Yeah, week. can yeah, I build yeah. on that? I mean, yeah. I told a story like with beer, right? I couldn't believe having worked for Miller Coors and yeah, asking, the light beer. you know, what's the hardest beer to brew? And they said light beer, and you would think that's the cheapest beer to make. How could that be the hardest? And it's to exactly that point, right? When something's so simple, if something's a little off, a little imbalanced, mm-hmm. it would ruin it yeah. instantly yeah. in a way that stuff that is so ornate and complex you can have a thousand things wrong with it but there's yeah. so much going on you would never notice yeah there's no embellishment that gives you that opportunity to make it fruity or whatever you want to do fufu shishi yeah. things like that yeah. you guys well said i'm also at a nine no no uh oh, no question skip, about i think we skipped Puba. Puba. no i'm i'm going in our normal order Oh, there you go. Uh, you started. Ah, you're right. Oh, yeah. I'm trying to go in the horseshoe. Let the boys. moderator do his job, I'm trying guys. Trying to do the horseshoe. He's a step ahead. Well, I then, like, I'm yeah. the horseshoe. 
I could have remembered the laptop. Look, it's not the most complex wine I've ever had. Um, But I think at the price point, and I really want to caveat this at the price point, and given the fact that it's, uh, it's, it's availability, you know, I give it a nine at 45 bucks. You know, you put this, I actually like, I actually prefer this to Stag's Leap Artemis because um, they're really the same price point. I agree with you on that. I, you know, I kind of sleep is now Artemis more than this bottle. More than this yeah. bottle. It this bottle you'll find more. for fifty or fifty-five dollars in a wine shop, and now yeah. Stag's Leap is sixty sixty-five. Yeah. The, the yep. Stag's Leap Artemis is a, has a little more tannin in it. Um, it's a little bit. It, it's it doesn't in it has more tannins and it's a little bit more fruit forward, where this is to me just a little bit more balanced. So, uh, you know, I don't know what I gave the Artemis if I gave it a nine, but or, or not. But uh, but I, 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 I would give the to me, this is in my wheelhouse for like what I would drink as, um, you know, an upgraded table wine for, you know. So if you have like call it Mandavi's Oberon, which is an approachable table wine you can have with spaghetti and pizza or whatever for 20 bucks a bottle. Um, if you're having a steak dinner, I think that this fits right in. So for me as a pedestrian, uh, rel- somewhat of a pedestrian in the wine world, even though I have been on wine tours of Burgundy and Napa and things like that, <laughs> just going to say, uh, thank you for the update. He's a, you know, he's a just, pedestrian just, just plus saying. just, just, but, but, you know, but I'm not a, but I, I'm not a collector. I don't read about this shit. Just, just put your pinky out when you yeah, say it. But I put my pinky out. I I'm have a been pedestrian. There. I am. I am saying, but, 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 but I will, I, I but it's been a while since I've been to both places. You guys but are what, so spoiled. But, but, we are, but so I've had better wine a, a lot better, but is it, for what it is at the price point, it's a nine for me. That, that's the operative thing there, the price point, right? Yeah. We factor this into everything. I, I think I've said this a thousand times. It's impossible to divorce that. If this bottle were $100, would I give it a nine? Absolutely exactly. not. Because no. there are $100 bottles that are so much more complex and more satisfying than this is. But at 50 bucks, when you look at the competitive set of what this goes up against, this delivers. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly where I'm going to go with the cigar when we rate it. Yeah. yeah, there you go. So you the know. Composite Lizard score, boys, on the wine, the Jordan Cabernet from 2017 is a 9.0. And just uh, because you guys made the comparison, we rated the Stag's Leap Artemis that we had as an 8.8. Okay. It was so 1.8 in that group. <laughs> Senator knows. <laughs> All right. are we? Uh, I think we're ready to do the formal lizard rating on this cigar. What do you guys think? It's ready when we started. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Go, go ahead, Rooster. All right, Rooster, you're up. I mean, I thought I overpaid when I got the box for $147. So seeing what the price is now, like 400 and I, I think I just saw this recently, yeah, $459 for a box of 10 sticks. That's, that's almost $46 a stick. Shit. And it's a shit stick. I mean, well, I mean, it's, it's a lousy stick, so I'm giving it a two. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> Give it a six. 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 Pooba. That's a generous score. This is a five for me. It did nothing for me. So 10 being a great cigar, one being the worst cigar I've had in my life. This is like right in the middle. It's, it's not, it's just, it's not at the price point. It's a five. It's a five. It's a five. This cigar makes the La Punta shine. (laughs) I don't know if I'd say that. I don't know if I'd say that. I don't know if I'd say that. It makes the Hamlet a good cigar. So uh, it's a six for me. All day. Senator. 
this was hard for me, not in that I was ever entertaining giving this a high score, but hard for me in that I've been going back and forth between a six and a seven. And the saddest thing about this for me is this cigar itself. I'm, I, I've sat here the whole time saying, I think I'm going to give this a six. And the younger ones of these I've had, I would actually give a seven. Not that it was mm. anything amazing, but it was a bit more satisfying. I just think actually with age, it's like mellowed out what was already not a ton of flavor and was already very monotone in one note. Um, so at best, I think this is a seven, but for this cigar that we just smoked, I'd give this a six. Okay. Grinder. Uh, I'm giving it a six. Bam, bam. I like Pooba's analysis. 500 record right in the middle. I'll give it a five. All right. The Composite Lizard score, boys, is a 5.7. It's a shit cigar. <laughs> and, and I mean that in that it's not offensive. It's just a I mean that in the nicest of ways. <laughs> I mean it's just a, it's just disappointing. It's a letdown. It it's is. A letdown. A, you know, if this was a nine dollar stick or a ten dollar right. stick and it was in some like a portfolio, you know, I, I, maybe I would have rated it, but at forty seven dollars. No one likes to be so I just, out of here. I want to say one Get thing. Out. So if you buy a fifty cab today at, at today's crazy prices of these of the RAS. Okay, the price on those sticks is fourteen dollars and forty cents. Oh, that's incredible. We rated those that's cigars incredible. young at a nine point zero. Yeah, right. This cigar they, they, it warrants they wipe that. the floor exactly. With this. That's Deliver. this cigar at forty seven dollars today, at a five point seven is an absolute sin. Yeah, yeah put me down for a fifty cab of these. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. crap. Yeah, the rest you, delivers. You can stack. Yeah. You can stack ten paper boxes on top of each other and enjoy yourself but this this is <laughs> for this two is, grand this is why you need like consumers talking about this shit yeah with a with a constant feedback loop because there's people out there that are gonna see oh you know lcdh it's gotta be good it's gotta be a limitada blah 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 and therefore the price point is you think the price you 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 think the price point is aligned to the quality you're getting but the value for value equation it doesn't sink. And it's good to talk about this shit because the listeners will think, okay, the lizards are rating it terribly. The price point doesn't sink up. I'm not going to buy it. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> you, you don't have that kind of kind of feedback loop, in, certainly in com communist Cuba, but here we can talk about this. Yeah, and but even everywhere. It. I mean, right? Like the reality is, uh, honestly, like this cigar, I remember before I had the first one of these I've ever tried, you look up reviews online and I would see a review and, you know, it's some like Habanos retailer reviewing it, right? Like they need yep. to move the product off the shelf. So like I'm There's listening an angle. to this yeah, and I'm like, uh, oh, my, my, my whole, that, sounds, my whole, that sounds good. And it's like, it's actually not a very My good whole cigar. perception of Habanos essay is it's a bunch of fat, lazy fuckers who don't have to do any <laughs> research, don't do any kind of understanding of what the market demands. They're sitting on this gold mine of Cuban tobacco and they're just pushing it. And they're thinking, and they're trying to get the, the certain price points that are aligned to certain products that are. Well, I th I think there's another element of it which is just desperation. You know, they are desperate for income. They're desperate for money, and I think that they are doing whatever they can, at any cost, at any product output. It's the wild, wild west. It is. You know, they're they're just trying to raise cash. You know, and it's certainly been working, but. We'll try to overlook this, but we're going to keep supporting them. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> we love Habanos. <laughs> All right, boys. A 9.0 for the 2017 Jordan Cab and a 5.7 for the Ramon Aonis. 
Superioris LCDH. High shit, score. Shit pairing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, boys. We'll see you next week. Keep smoking. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Thanks for joining us. You can find our merch store and ratings archive at our brand new website, loungelizardspod.com. That's loungelizardspod.com. Don't forget to leave us a rating and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. If you have any comments, questions, if you want to reach out, say hello, tell us what you're smoking, email us, hello at loungelizardspod.com. You can also find us on Instagram, at loungelizardspod. We really appreciate your time, and we'll, uh, we'll see you next week.